Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Scoops. We're finally going for our episode 5 today, and we're talking about the Affirmative Action Supreme Court case. Now, we're not here to throw a bunch of legal jargon at you, we're here to break it down like we're chatting over coffee. So, grab your favorite thing to drink or snack on, and let's dive into what Affirmative Action is, how it is way more complicated than we think, and just why it actually matters to every one of us. I'm your host, Melody, and joining me today is... Sianna. It's been a while since I've been a part of this episode, so thanks for inviting me back. Yes. Today's topic is very thought-provoking, and, and I have a feeling that it's going to get quite intense and heated. A lot of people also think that this decision wasn't even recent, so they don't know why we're talking about it, but I did find that there are a lot of details and things that actually concern every one of us, and it's just good to know the process and how they arrived to the result. So, I completely agree with you, and honestly, when I was researching about this topic, I seriously could not keep my fingers off the keyboard, because there's so much to talk about. But first, let's break down what affirmative action even means in the legal realm. Affirmative action is basically an active effort that the United States government has taken to say that they want to level the playing field for everyone when it comes to job hiring, or like emissions or higher education institutions. Wait, but like, why do they need a level playing field? Like, what do they mean by that? Well, it's because meritocracy is not possible Mm -hmm. in today's world. So just the idea of like everybody being selected according to their own merits and abilities and talents, right? That's meritocracy. Why is it not possible? So, you know, people with wealth tend to get ahead in the world because they have those resources available to them. So meritocracy is not possible because even people who have those talents and have those capabilities will probably not be able to have the same resources as those uh, wealthier people just because, you know, money mm-hmm. is money. Right. So this is why affirmative actually is to make up for those minorities and those people of like lower social economic status. Affirmative action allows kind of everybody to have someone an equal chance and in terms of decision making, especially in terms of education, which is what we're focusing on today, that they consider your context and social background and then understand maybe why there are some certain discrepancies mm-hmm. and take that into account. But you were saying, why is affirmative action so important? Because over the course of American history, specifically, it's been made up of policies and programs to fight against discrimination towards minorities and especially women right because if you listen to our last episode together we did not get the right to vote until the 1900s in america yeah so like in terms of government affirmative action has always been to help minorities and women but since we're talking about this supreme court case in terms of college admissions affirmative action was also implemented into colleges and admissions process so when people are like applying to those colleges um, to stop discrimination from happening, specifically knowing that discrimination has led a lot of people to be exploited and disparaged in history, it would be somewhat odd if like a, all the good colleges just have like super crazy rich people who had like basically yeah. everything available to them. And so, why did this court case begin? And I think a lot of people were not aware that this has been a topic that the Supreme Court has dealt with for a prolonged period of time. 
Basically, students for Fair Missions filed a lawsuit in federal district court against Harvard University in 2014, actually, so it did mm. quite a while back. Yeah. It, representing a group of anonymous Asian American rejected from the university. So the suit made the claim Asians were being discriminated against. Yeah, and so it being filed in the federal district court means that it was not a Supreme Court case at all yet, and that just means it became a bigger and bigger issue which is why it then became a Supreme Court case and why affirmative action is now rescinded. Yeah, so that basically means, okay, Students for Fair Admissions is like an organization in a sense. And basically, they decided to file a lawsuit because they felt like specifically Asian Americans are not being really looked at in a leveled playing field. And honestly, a lot of people had like backlash because they were like, of course it's the Asian Americans because their only identity is rooted in academics and ability to excel on paper. And a lot of people felt like it wasn't really a concern about ethnicity, but more so just their own abilities. But the Students for Fair Admissions completely said that it was really Asians being discriminated against in favor of whites. Well, I think because because it got is rescinded because a lot of people, like, yes, as you said, especially the Asian Americans, they felt as if affirmative action made it so that their abilities couldn't help them excel. Mm. And it wasn't something that they could control. Mm-hmm. And this is where it, the issue becomes complicated. When the college admissions takes like race as like a more, like as a primary criteria with affirmative action in mind. Mm-hmm. So they want to have more diversity in their college. Mm-hmm. And if there's like too many Asian Americans, then obviously they're going to be kind of trying to lessen the acceptance of mm, Asian Americans. Yeah. I mean, that's the like tiptoey part of this, which is that affirmative action is rooted in the idea of taking ethnicity, which is then your his- like your cultural context into account. But because of that, it almost like reinforces um, racism in a sense because you're constantly understanding oh because they had this but you're again filling into the stereotype but a lot of people when they found out that it was rescinded in june 2023 said that it was the end of race conscious called missions and they were really unhappy about it because they felt like again it's the bunch of asian americans that are just sad sore losers that they didn't get into harvard college and so they wanted to sue But I definitely think this is a lot more complicated and there are a lot of really hardcore evidence that I feel like did support students for fair admissions. For example, what happened was like Chief Justice John Roberts, who was a part of the Supreme Court, found that the admissions programs at both universities, which is the Harvard College as well as another one, I believe, at the same time, it was a South Carolina college and they said that they violated the equal protection clause of the 14th amendment which just means that like even though they are following affirmative action they actually violated equality in the sense and so the courts and majority opinion said that the school's affirmative action programs unavoidably employ race in a negative manner involve racial stereotyping and lack meaningful endpoints so so basically in the admissions process Harvard has given Asian American applicants higher academic and extracurricular ratings, Mm -hmm. but lower personal ratings than they gave white applicants. 
Normally, people would not exactly find anything wrong with this because Asians are on like are on an academic basis, known for being good at school or like just caring a lot about school. Yeah, it their culture is more academic focused. Right. Um, but the problem that the plaintiff, yeah, plain, plaintiff, <laughs> students for fair admissions fighting for is that Harvard therefore used the personal ratings to depress Asian American admissions and affect an unspoken quota. So I think the problem is like Asian Americans, you can't necessarily say like in a historical context, it's not that we've been deprived of rights as much as maybe other minorities in the U.S. Um, in terms of because we did not have that long of a history with America as opposed to maybe like African Americans. But the problem here is these personal ratings to depress Asian Americans is kind of in a sense where it more so um, views us in a reductive idea to think that we're really just bookworms and we all all we do is read and whenever we can't get into a call yeah and so I think that's really the the root that um, students for admissions was fighting for well this issue like among asian americans it is kind of like 50 50 mm-hmm. like some of them a lot of them support affirmative action while others like strongly disagree mm-hmm. but i do believe this is like not a black and white issue mm-hmm. and that affirmative action didn't create diversity within education it did account for the lack of access to re- in to resources and education that some yeah experience i think that's what's so wonky about this is because affirmative actions apply to all minorities but every minority has experienced different um, situations in the past and because this one specifically is about personal ratings to depress america asian americans it's not necessarily um undermining their historical experiences if you know what i mean like it's not undermining the scrutiny and discrimination they've experienced in the past it's more so about their own character and that's what's so different like it's an attribute so if you were to i guess target like asian americans for maybe um not being able to um vote or even have uh, become a citizen in america in the past because um, america did not accept chinese people to immigrate until like late 1900s yeah so the chinese exclusion act like if we really know about chinese um, asian american history it's also that chinese people were not even allowed in america until the late uh, yeah asians in general actually because they couldn't even tell they couldn't tell what (laughs) what asian you were like they just thought everybody was chinese but yeah that's the thing i think um because it's fighting for a somewhat less um politically charged point which is just that asians care a lot about school and academics that it seems like a not so strong argument but i think it is because at the trial in october 2014 so when this just started the judge appointed was judge burroughs and she rejected this argument specifically the fair for missions argument she found that the majority of the disparity in the personal ratings was more likely caused by underlying differences in the attributes of asian americans and white applicants so she just thinks that um the scores accurately reflected the group's qualities and the bottom line was that asian americans low personal ratings were not a result of intentional discrimination by harvard so it's just like that's the way that's the way it was mm-hmm. she felt like it was very much a black and white issue in the sense that um it must have just been their merits were not 
good enough and that's why they didn't get in it was not because harvard favored white people but at this hearing something a little bit fishy about this is that judge burroughs repeatedly have um the plaintiff which is students for fair admissions which we're gonna just abbreviate sffa and harvard's lawyers approach the bench for lengthy sidebar discussions which basically sidebar is when um only the lawyers and the judge could discuss about certain topics and the jury as well as the courtroom other people in the courtroom just can't hear what they're talking about and normally sidebar conversations would be available on like trial transcripts um, because that's customary later on but in this court case the judge automatically sealed all the sidebars Mm -hmm. and this was a pretty big deal to think that a right organization actually sued Harvard. So that's why a lot of reporters at the time really wanted to understand and hear about what happened at the sidebar discussion. So does nobody actually know what they discussed? Yeah, so basically what happened later on is like a bunch of reporters were fighting for the ability to at least know even a little bit of the conversation. Um, and specifically... The lawyer that argued the case for Harvard, Seth Waxman, he quickly objected on behalf of the university. So after all these reporters were asking for it, he rejected. And a lot of people felt like, why did he reject? Was there really, really volatile information? Like, what's going on? And he wrote that the sidebars contained personal and confidential information that should remain sealed, providing examples of specific transcript pages that included information about applicants or information that was not admitted into evidence at trial. So they're saying that um, a lot of the information that was talked about was not um, a part of the evidence pile, which means that it's kind of like hua, like out of context conversation. And they felt that including those information into everybody would not actually benefit the case overall so that was their excuse okay and it was left at that until sffa denied that harvard's examples contained confidential information then in january finally judge burroughs released some of the hearing transcripts and they showed that harvard argued vigorously against unsealing certain sidebars reminding the judge that concern about the press gallery so the press gallery is where political journalists are allowed to sit or gather and observe and report speeches and events um, in the courtroom and they're saying that the press gallery is the reason she sealed, which is Judge Burroughs, sealed some discussions in the first place and maintaining that she should keep them sealed because of the increased or the continuing public attention on this case. So they're saying that like with all these reporters and people in the courtroom, like probably going to report on the sidebar discussions, they're going to kind of escalate the conversation a lot more. And they felt like the sidebar was just not applicable. But that's when it becomes especially, especially crazy because the question is then, with a topic centering around people around the world, okay, considering everybody's ethnicities, why can't information and details that are supposedly not so important just be shared then? Like, you shouldn't have to hide it. Yeah. And at the same time, a lot of the reporters were asking that they should at least release some information, excluding the confidential information parts. So they were even just asking for like a little bit of the conversation or what the topic was, but they wouldn't allow that. Until then, it was revealed that. One of the topics they were talking about was what happened on November 30th, 2012. So basically, this is the big story, all right? Let me let me lay it out for you. So there's this guy called William Fitzsimmons, okay? And he began working in Harvard admissions more than 50 years ago. And he has been the dean of admissions and financial aid since 1986. Okay. Then there's a second guy who is called 
Thomas Hibino, and he is a federal official who worked at the Boston location of the Office for Civil Rights at the time. And he also served as the regional director, but then he retired in 2014. The big thing is, though, he also worked at the Japanese American Citizens League. Then he oversaw the federal investigation into Harvard's alleged discrimination against Asian Americans applicants decades ago. So that means he has had experience with the topic of discrimination in terms of affirmative action before, okay? So it's him, Thomas Sabino and William Fitzsimmons. Now, what happened on November 30th, 2012, was that Hibino emailed Fitzsimmons an attachment, and he just described the attachment as really hilarious, if I do say so myself. And then Hibino was like, I did this for the amusement of our team and, of course, you guys, presumably Harvard admissions officers, so like his colleagues. And so they're saying that, like, oh, you guys are the only ones who can appreciate the humor. So the humor, I guess, is the attached. And he was like, this is so funny. Like, you guys should see it for yourself. I made it, blah, blah. So the joke memo, okay, this is the big joke memo, it had been written on Harvard admissions office stationery during the earlier investigation. And it was basically where Hibino was downplaying an Asian American applicant's achievements. And keep in mind, this Asian American does not exist. So he's playing it off of a fictional character. And what happened was the memo denigrated Jose who was the sole support of his family of 14 since his father, a Filipino farm worker, got run by a tractor. And this is, again, made-up scenario of an Asian American. But what made this joke memo especially questionable is that the associate director of admissions basically said, it can't be that difficult on his part-time job as a senior cancer researcher while he was California's class AAA player of the year with an offer from the Rams. I mean, we just don't need a 132-pound defensive lineman. So he's basically making fun of Jose, who supported his 14 siblings since his father got run by a tractor. And this Again, official admissions officer then said this 132-pound defensive flying man joke basically was referencing to how Asian male physiques is really small. So why did they make this joke? There's no specific reason given. Is but it just it, because they're on like the court case? No, it was. this is before the court case. So basically, okay, during the sidebar conversations, this joke memo was brought up. And this joke memo was actually a conversation that happened in 2012. And the case was filed in 2014. So this should have been admitted as an evidence to showcase discrimination against Asian Americans. Because clearly, an admissions officer literally made fun of this fictional character, Jose, and talked about how, oh, he did all these achievements, blah, 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 blah. And I'm not even done listing the amount of jokes he made. But this was not admitted into the evidence pile. And that's why the judge didn't want to reveal what was happening in the sidebar discussions. Mm -hmm. Because maybe people would have felt like, oh my god, they were totally making fun of Asian Americans. How come? All right? And so basically what happened was that not only did the officer talk about how, oh, um, this Jose dude, while he was a California's Class AA Player of the Year, he also got admitted into the Rams. I have to discount the Nobel Peace Prize he received. After all, they gave unto Martin Luther King too. No doubt, just another example of giving preference to minorities. This joke memo straight up said, no doubt, just another example of giving preference to minorities. So if an admissions officer 
thinks and jokes this way it makes a lot of people question is that how he pursues and looks at the actual students right the actual applicants and so the memo dismissed the fictional applicant which is jose it's not even a real applicant and they made up all these jokes applying all these asian american stereotypes or just asian stereotypes in general and he said oh after all jose is just another aa seizure so aa seizure means and is a Harvard admissions shorthand for an Asian American applicant who intends to study biology and become a doctor. So they literally also have a nickname for Asian Americans who want to become a doctor. Yeah, like as if it's a surprise. And I understand that this is a very prevalent um, major and interest for Asian Americans and Asians in general, but their reaction and response is very much not friendly not appropriate can't believe this wasn't included in the course. exactly you think it would be like a important piece of evidence to go along with the case I guess. that's what i thought when i was researching this i was like so they made up a whole fake asian american right joking on a piece of memo sticker talking about how he like did all these amazing things for his family and even had an internship for cancer research blah 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 but guess what harvard has uh, these type of students and you know, ultimately, this student has all these achievements just because he was a minority. I'm sorry, like, if you're saying that about other minorities, I'm sure it would have been a greater, greater situation. Because then, Judge Burroughs, okay, explained that she excluded the memo from trial despite SFFA arguing that it should be included. She said that the exchange regarding the memo amounted to Mr. Fitzsimmons laughing along. So she just thought that questioning him about it would be designed for media consumption and not for any great search for the truth. I guess she felt like since this memo was on a basis of a joke, then it shouldn't be accounted for. Yeah, and that it would only be dramatized by the media. But then again, Harvard itself argued that the memo was irrelevant, and Judge Burroughs agreed because she suggested that admitting it into the evidence pile would just be a tactic intended to embarrass Dean Fitzsimmons. And I guess it's because Fitzsimmons is a renowned Harvard employee. So I don't know. Is this here talking about reputation or is it really talking about how the memo wouldn't actually serve a good purpose? I think I understand why they probably would have kept it. Just like your argument... If you include it in the evidence, it's like basing your argument off of a joke, mm. which is not very solid. Mm-hmm. So I would understand why they probably wouldn't have included it. Mm-hmm. But it's also important to mention because it's the admissions officers and it's basically saying that they have like low regard for it. Yeah, and they're laughing about how he's perfect on paper. But oh wait, he just wants to be another doctor. Basically downplayed his Achievement. achievements. And... Yes, it's a joke, so I understand that as well. It's also a fictional character. Why would they take time to make a fictional character of an Asian American? Well, also, if you're making a joke and you're making like these these types of jokes that are based on like stereotypes of Asian Americans, stereotypes are often based on something that has been true once mm. in history. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know them discriminating against a fictional character could also like show how they might discriminate against real like people asian americans applying for harvard in real life like we know today that we can't make like certain jokes about minorities so basically because it's just a joke memo i feel like that's not really in alignment with 
an actual entire college admissions process mm. up until like 2014 2015 it seems like judge burroughs who was in charge of this case was in favor of allowing harvard to continue with affirmative action but then the question is why did it get rescinded in june 2023 well i think as we said before there was like a lot of backlash on this people felt that the certain ethnic groups the advantages that they received from affirmative action was actually at the expense of other minority groups especially asian americans mm-hmm. while it's really important that minorities like hispanics yeah. receive these advantages i think when it's taken into the wrong hands it can act as a reinforcement of racism and discrimination right like you're always going to base someone because the applying student is going to take which ethnicity she is or he is or they is is. (laughs) so i mean that's the thing that's and that's what makes affirmative action sometimes really precarious as a program and as an active effort because not only can it actually reinforce racism but it can also Um, be used to exploit um, certain colleges weaknesses or um, desires because knowing that a lot of colleges want to prioritize diversity sometimes that they would rather take someone with lesser stats um, consequently but I do think maybe a possible solution would be strengthening like all the other scholarship programs it's not like right we're not saying it's like right or wrong affirmative action is right or wrong it's more like a, a complicated issue that needs to be dissected and fully understood before you actually take a stance on this. I agree. And the thing is, like, at this point, a stance doesn't necessarily define the entirety of this topic mm-hmm. because of just how complicated it is. It also kind of applies to all of us in our daily lives because even though this is a decision in America, the topic of race is widespread it is around the world it will never not be an issue yes and so us knowing this specific process in america allows us to then discern possible problems that might arise in our own countries or in our own environments and how are we going to tackle it in a way where it is encompassing and inclusive but also not becoming exclusive because what happens here and often here is that you become so inclusive that you actually get exclusive which yeah yeah I see right? what you mean. Right? Like you because you start excluding the people who are not being inclusive. And people who you already have as a, a specific majority. So you're like, oh, there's already a lot of them, so let's not take more of them. Mm. But then isn't that not inclusive? So hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's more so like a storytelling. Um but yeah, what is affirmative action? Hope you guys know what that is now and also why it has caused so much controversy and also why the two of us have presented opposing ideas and kind of slightly argued with each other in the sense of what stances people stand on. Mm. And today we're taking like a like simpler approach kind of because obviously, obviously, yeah. <laughs> obviously we, yeah, and like knowing just this work case starting in 2014 and ending in 2023 proves something and that there's a lot of history there and a lot of ins and outs that we weren't able to share yeah thank you for listening